My name is Joanna Pagonis, and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. Tackle Tuesday is a podcast series that tackles different issues in the workplace. We explore topics such as leading with emotion, diversity and inclusion, and how to create resilient and agile work cultures. Today's episode is sponsored by Synogap Solutions Leadership Consulting, where we are experts in workplace culture. We make it easy to survey your employees and uncover actionable insights that will help you create a great company culture. This week's episode, I had the opportunity to interview Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. When I met with Brendan, I thought our conversation would focus mostly on the skills and confidence we need to master the art of public speaking. But in actuality, what we discussed went a lot deeper than that. Brendan explains how our ability to be successful in our relationships and our businesses is grounded in our ability to communicate. Brendan also provides tangible actions we can all take to start improving our communication skills today. I learned so much from my short conversation with Brendan, and I'm sure you will too. I hope you enjoy this week's Tackle Tuesday episode. So thank you so much for being on Tackle Tuesday today. I'm really excited to have this discussion. How are you today? I'm very good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Um, all right. So I wanted to ask you, uh, doing a little bit of research on your background, I've noticed that you, you currently work for IBM, correctly, as a business transformation consultant. You got it. Uh, but you're also an entrepreneur whose purpose and passion is helping others achieve success by overcoming their fear of public speaking. Is that accurate? Absolutely. It's like an interrogation. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> what I was curious is I'm trying to make the link between the two on my own and I have some guesses, but before I give you my kind of interpretation of how the two link, can you talk to me a little bit about how you went from a IBM business transformation consultant? You're still there. You still work at IBM, uh, but how did you make that transition also to becoming an entrepreneur and really focusing on public speaking? Is there a link between the two? Yeah, absolutely. So, so basically, I guess the short story, if you had asked me at 19 what I wanted in life, the last thing on my mind was to be a YouTuber. I thought that was something rich people did. Right? I grew up in a, in a low-middle-income family in Laval, which is a small city near Montreal in Canada. And all I wanted to do was to make money, you know, get out of poverty. It wasn't uh, rocket science. So essentially, the goal is to be a senior partner at McKinsey or IBM before I was 30. That was basically the goal. So what I did when I went to business school as I did these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were, you know, playing football or soccer or something. I was using that same competitive energy, but applying it to presentations. So for three years, I presented 500 times, coached dozens of people on communication, you know, went up against all the best universities in the country. And then when I graduated, I was fortunate enough to land a great job at IBM. What happened after that is I realized as I was on the fast track to, to being an executive there, I kind of just stopped and asked myself, is that what I want to do in life? Is there more to just being an executive? And being there is great. But I also realized that a lot of the content on communication on YouTube in particular sucked. Like you have advice like, oh, you should imagine everyone in their underwear. I'm just like, what kind of advice is this? It makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever. 
So I saw a lot of PhDs in the, in the, in the platform and they didn't really know what they were talking about. So I started making videos from my experiences in university and over time, my production got better. I got better, but the point is to draw the link to the two, Joanna. If I never wanted to be a technology consultant, I never would have built the communication skills necessary to do master talk in the first place. So one led to the other. Okay. So what, how come you need public speaking as a technology or a business transformation consultant? Oh, right. So, so communication is not just about business. I think it's everything that you do, as you probably are aware of. So whether you're in corporate meetings with executives or you're pitching, you know, services, you know, technology services, whether you're having a difficult conversation with a person you love or whether it's the children that you're trying to manage, everything that you do is communication. And the more, the, the faster we understand that, the better not just our lives will be but our relationships, our businesses, and the way that we see it, or the perception of how we meet new people will also change. So that's why it's extremely vital. And at IBM, it's definitely no exception. Yeah, I totally agree. What were some of the key learnings that you learned from your... All, all, like you said, you spoke 500 times, you said, right, publicly. What were some of the things that you learned about uh, public speaking and mastering the art of public speaking? Right. I, I would say the biggest one... I'm probably at a thousand now, if I'm being honest, but wow. I think, I think what I learned, but the reason why I'm saying that's not to be cocky or anything yeah, yeah. It's because it's because half of those times I gave the same presentation oh, out okay. of the thousands of presentations I've done, I probably have a thousand two hundred or something. Almost half of them was the same one. What does that what mean? Was, what was it on? Wait, what was it on? It's my keynotes that I give to clients and stuff, you know, like my keynote on communication. Okay. So, so the reason why that's important is a lesson for people is everything that we do, every skill that we have, let's say we're trying to learn piano together. We have two options, right? Number one is get a bunch of music, like 15 songs, we figure it out. For Mozart, that's going to work, but we're not Mozart. And the other option, which is easier for both of us, is let's pick one song and get it right. So then we're at a fancy gala or an event, and there's a piano there, and you look at me and you go, Brendan, let me go play that one song. Everyone's going to come up to you and go, wow, Joanne, have you been a pianist for many years? And you're going to respond, oh, you know, no big deal. I've been practicing. I'm really good at this thing. Even if you only know one song. And we do this with everything. Cooking, you're cutting the same vegetables. Your second kid, the first one, you have no clue what you're doing. The second thing, you probably have a better feel of what's happening. We don't do that in public speaking, though. Because right. most of the presentations we give to our clients, to our teachers, to our bosses, we only give one time. And that's why we're not very good at public speaking. Whereas what the grades do is they take one or two presentations, but present it so many times that every second is perfect. Oh, that's a great idea. So practice obviously is the key. Right. And something I'll add, because it's a business-related show, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking right now, especially if you work in change management or something like that, you're like, well, Brendan, my change projects change all the time, right? Like I got, I can't present the same thing over and over again. So my reply to that is I want you to think about your passions outside of work. So then you might answer something like, oh, well, you know, I, I mentor a group of kids in my city on leadership. I was like, okay, what do you talk about? They go, oh, well, the five traits of being a leader. I was like, exactly. That presentation is what we call a repeatable presentation because you can present the same content over and over and over again to different groups of kids or adults. Right. So you need to find that presentation for you. For me, it ended up being communication. Right. For you, it's probably something related to your business mm-hmm. or even your very podcast. Like this show, it could be a presentation where you talk about the mission, what, what you aspire to get out of it. So right. find that thing for you and you'll be a master in no time. 
Okay, I'd like to speak a little bit to motivation. You, you, you gave the example of piano, and I thought that was a, actually a really good example because I used to play piano as a kid, and then after I finished my PhD, I was like, well, I have some extra time on my hands. I'm going to learn how to play the piano again. And Brendan, what I found frustrating was I got bored learning the same song. It is so fun. You, you, don't, you, don't, you know very little about me. You had no idea that I was learning how to play piano again. And one of the ways I was trying to learn how to play piano was play the same song over and over to master it. But what I found really challenging was I got bored fast. And I assume that may happen with people who are trying to master public speaking and, and use that method around practicing that same keynote over and over again. What are some, what's some advice you would give to somebody in terms of maintaining that motivation? Because I, I also assume like trying to learn the same song over and over again, one of the reasons why I get frustrated is because there's maybe one part of that song I keep screwing up over and over again, right? And I just want to, I get frustrated and I want to do something different. So what are, what's some of your advice to that? Right. So uh, there's actually a simple question here and how to solve this once and for all, because I get this a lot from my clients okay. too. kind of bothers me too. And the, the question that you need to ask yourself is who suffers from your inability to take action every day that you make the decision not to do the thing 400 times, not to practice the same thing over and over again, you need to get very clear on the person that you're hurting. So for most people, Joanna, Option A is do the thing, play the piano, start the podcast, you know, I don't know, yeah. spend more time with their families. It doesn't matter what the thing is. Okay. Option B is watch Netflix, <laughs> right? Simple. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing on the line. It's just like, well, I mean, I have a PhD. I'm Joanna. If I don't need to play piano, who gives a crap? I have a successful business. Who cares? Whereas with public speaking or with me particularly, my ultimatum, option A is do the thing. Yeah. Option B is watch millions of people suffer. What do I mean by this? Julia is a 16-year-old girl in her high school. She right. loves to lead. She's a future leader. She's going to be amazing, whether she's an executive in technology. Whatever she wants to do, she's going to become, except one problem. She's deathly afraid of public speaking. So what does she do? She does what any other 16-year-old girl her age would do. She would go on YouTube. That's where she learns all of her stuff. She types public speaking tips, and what does she find? She finds a bunch of old white dudes in their 70s who don't know anything about public speaking. So she looks at these people and goes, well, I guess this is not for me. She closes her laptop, and that belief system that she'll never be a great speaker will never change unless I do something about it. Every day that Brendan decides not to make videos, he is saying to that girl that I don't care about you. And that will never happen with me. That's why mm -hmm. I write my content two and a half years advance. I have content right now until 2023. Why? Because I'm so obsessed with Julia. I know exactly the consequence of me not doing the thing. So if you're not clear, of course you're going to watch Netflix. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is like, know your purpose. What I hear coming, and I, I love this because I spoke to, it's almost as if, as, it's almost as if every guest I speak with, when I ask them, like, why do you do what you do? Or what are some of the key learnings? They always share about their, their purpose and how that's motivated them to keep going forward and just overcome any challenge. Uh, it's sustaining. It's that inner motivation that people have. So what I hear you say is this is my purpose. It's really to help other people be successful in their life and being able to communicate in a confident way is key to that. And so every day that you decide to watch Netflix and not, not get up and, and, and pursue your passion, fulfill your purpose, it's disadvantaging other people. Yeah. Right. I like that. 
Yeah. You're essentially like to, to put it like a, a paint a picture here. You're essentially mm-hmm. making people wait in a line that doesn't have an ending. Right. I like that. Okay. So, okay. What are some, so number one is practice makes perfect, right? Finding that inner purpose around why it is that you're, you're doing what you're doing to keep that inner, inner motivation going. What are some other challenges that like, what are some other root cause fears that people have when it comes to speaking that you, like you've done this so many times, you've coached people. What are some other things that people have told you or expressed to you around their fears around public speaking? Right. So, so a couple of things. So one thing that comes to mind right now is this question that I'd love for people to reflect on that helps them find their ideas and their purpose and things like that. And it helps you reduce the fear as well. And the question is, how would the world change if you were an incredible speaker? If you're one of the best speakers on the planet, how would the world be different? And if your answer to that question is, uh, you know, I get like a promotion at work, you're not answering it the right way. But if the answer instead is, hey, you know, I would, I would have a lot less conflicts with the people in my family because there's a lot of miscommunication that I can manage better. The business partners that I work with, I can work better with them. The way that I can travel, I can go to another city and not know the language. And for some reason that I don't understand, I can understand them. That is how you paint a good picture to this question. And the more clear you are at that, the more confident you'll be. And I'm the best example of this. I started coaching C-level executives to CEOs at the age of 23. Who the hell am I to coach people on communication? But that's the point. Because I believed in a future, in a world where other people could have access to the tools that I had to offer for people, that gave me the confidence, not some glass of water. It's that belief system, what I stood for, that got me comfortable really fast in those types of situations. In other words, the fear is still there. I still look at an executive and go, why am I still in the room? But the world and how I imagine it is much more important than the fear. So the fear gets crushed every single time. time. I like your approach to it, because it's even watching your YouTube videos, it's not necessarily here are the five things that you do to get onto a stage and speak publicly. What I hear you talking about is not public speaking, but like you said, when we first started our conversation, you're looking at communication as a holistic approach to improving people's lives and including your own. And when it comes to mastering the art of communication, whether you're on a stage, whether you're giving a podcast, whether you're, you're having a conversation with your coworker, it's about understanding what the ultimate goal is. And it's to improve work. It's to help achieve organizational outcomes. It's to improve relationships or other people's lives. And if you put that at the focal point, then you'll overcome your fears and, and accept those challenges that come your way and keep trying to practice and improve. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. And I'm happy to even give a specific example to show people how crazy I am. I have 10 interviews today. I started interviewing at 7 a.m. and I'm going to be done at 8 p.m., right? So why do I keep saying the same message over and over and over and over again? Because there are two people who are listening to us right now that would never have known about me if I didn't have this 30-minute call, if I didn't have this conversation. And those two people need to know about me because one of them is a mental health advocate and the other one is struggling with communicating with their families and is causing... So I need to be there for those two people. If you're really focused on the goal, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter if I have to do this a thousand times, I'll do it a thousand times if it gets the outcome that I'm looking for. 
So I'm going to take a bit of a detour for some of the questions I wanted to ask, because you just <laughs> said something that made me think of something. Somebody's listening to this and they're like, I feel like I have an important message to give and I want to share it broadly. Now is the time, if you think about it, because we're social distancing. Many of us are working from home and because the power of technology or the advantages that it gives us, we can actually connect with people on a global scale. So somebody's listening to this and they're like, I like what Brendan does. I like his purpose. And I love, like he, the guy has 10, you said 10 inter- interviews today, right? Okay. So what are some of the things that you do to get out there? Cause I say, I think that's another fear that people have. Like you said, yeah, focus on your purpose and your mission, but then how do you actually take that step forward and connect with people and just put yourself out there and do it? What are some of the things you've done? Absolutely. So the first part of that is articulating what that key idea is. Yes. And, I, and I have an easy, simple exercise to help you with that. So the exercise goes as follows. It's your last presentation ever. After you present, you die. Okay, That's the context I'm setting. And you can speak for as much as you want. You can talk for two hours, you can talk for four, you can talk for seven minutes, it doesn't matter. But your audience will not remember your name, your title, or even your content. But they'll remember one sentence. What do you want the sentence to be? That is what we call your ultimate key idea. For me, it's simple. I just believe that anyone can master public speaking. I can give you all the tips, all the handbooks, all the programs, all the stuff. Everything is on that one sentence. I think anyone can do it. I'm living proof of it. And from that key idea, the next question is then how to promote it. So when I started Master Talk, I wasn't doing 10 interviews a day. <laughs> I didn't even know what an interview was. I just took a phone. I started speaking out what I thought was the truth. And I thought it was a stupid idea. And I thought what I had to say was stupid for the first six months too. Until somebody told me I wasn't stupid. Right? The people that I was coaching for three years, you know, in university, because I wasn't talking out of my mouth or like out of my, you know what, like I knew what I was talking about. I was just not very confident on camera. They just came up to me and they said, hey, Brent, I've been watching all your videos. And I just went, what? Really? Why? Because back then, my videos were really grainy. You can just go check my first couple of stuff. It's really bad. It's my mother's basement, no budget, no phone, nothing. But after the 10th person came up to me and said, hey, I think you're onto something, I kind of just said, oh, looks like I do have an idea worth sharing. Now let's think about promoting this. And then I gave my best friend like a, like a quarter of my salary to do all my professional stuff. And now that, that led to what it is today. But it didn't start that way. Right? It started with you know a, a phone and just an idea. So my advice for people is, you, as Jay Shetty always says, the big vision always starts with the smaller version of that vision. If you have a goal of impact a million people, start with one, then go to two, then go to four, double, double, double. I started with Master Talk presenting to three people, the three people who didn't really give a shit about public speaking, <laughs> but rather just me. And then, you know, I speak probably a couple hundred now these days, but at once. But the key is like, you didn't start there. You right. started with four and then over time you went. I love that. Okay. So there's like four things that I wrote down that are like key points to this conversation. So one is understand your purpose, right? Why you're doing what you're doing, because that will maintain and sustain you during challenging times. It's that inner motivation that we all need that. Yeah. That inner reinforcement. The other one was have a key idea. So understand what your purpose and your passion is, and then have that one key idea that you can then formulate into a phrase or a sentence. And you know what mine is actually, I inherently believe what drives people to excellence is igniting their passion through their purpose. That's awesome. All the things that you're saying are are aligning to that one key phrase that I have. The other thing I heard you say was, uh, you don't have to be perfect 
you have to practice to get a certain level of confidence, right? But you don't have to wait till you reach perfection. Let's be honest, there's really no such thing. You just need to get out there and do it. And over time, you can go back and see how you've progressed, but you need to start somewhere. So understand what that goal is, right? Like you said, is it, if the ultimate goal is hundreds of people, start with just a couple and then just get out there and do it. And you said something else that I think is key. I always say there are there are certain ways that people learn. Uh, like one is through self-reflection, thinking about how it went and how I can improve. But the other one is we learn with and through people getting feedback. You said getting feedback. So I think that's important. You said when you got that, that feedback that what you were doing was important and it was impacting people's lives for the better, that was also motivating for you. Correct? Absolutely. You know, I think the key is by, by forcing yourself to be surrounded by a community of people who want to see you win, you, you're forced to win. Like the best, the best I, example I can give of this, if you tell everyone about your idea, that's the best way of doing the idea. Because yes. then people will be like, hey, Joanna, did you start that podcast yet? But if seven people come up to you and ask you like, oh, well, it looks like I got to start that podcast though. <laughs> so share your idea with everyone. I think that's okay. a good way of playing. And what are some other ways that you get feedback from people? Do you solicit feedback? Do you go and ask for it? I'm sure a lot of people will come and just give you feedback around how you've improved their lives. But have you actually intentionally gone out and gotten it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm very obsessive with that. So, so an okay. example I can give, that's kind of the difference between a top 10 speaker and a top 1% speaker. As a top 10 speaker, top 10%, I mean, will think about their audience. They'll go, I wonder who Joanna is. You know, I wonder what she'll do in the audience. I wonder what she believes in. I wonder what she thinks. And then they'll present. Top 1% speaker goes and talks to you. Hey, Joanna, how are you doing? What do you want to get out of this? What do you, what do you aspire to do? What do you dream about? But I do that with everyone. I have probably had the most one-on-one -on -one conversations with eight-year-old girls in my industry. 100%. Because I go up to them and I go, like when I started and I was very insecure at the beginning, and I was telling everyone about my accomplishments and all my client lists and all that nonsense and then at the end the eight-year-old would come up to me and go like i like you but what's ibm and, and what's what's a ceo like is that like a letter and then i was and then i was like i was looking at them and i was like oh you don't know what a ceo is and she's like no 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 what is that? and that's when i had to change my tune i was like oh brandon you're too complex here you're too glow to change the way that you play most speakers won't even get to that conclusion they won't right. they won't see that eight-year-old as a valuable piece of feedback Whereas me, anyone who's listening to my videos, my youngest client is six years old for the record, right? So I'm listening to her too. Like, oh, am I explaining stuff in the right way? So, uh, so yeah, get, don't just think about your audience, obsess over them, talk to them, yes. understand the psychology of who they are. So that when Rebecca's 10 is asking you for public speaking tips, you'll realize that she's not asking you for tips. She's asking for a boost of confidence. She's saying, Brendan, my whole life, nobody told me I was a good speaker. Could you be the first one? Right? That's yeah. the key. I don't know how many articles I've read that said the businesses that will succeed through this time are the ones that have a social focus. And the way I interpret that is they care about the people they serve. They care enough to ask those questions, to get feedback and to say, what can we do better for you? And that's what you do. Yeah. You, you obsess over them. I like that. Another thing I tell people too, is sometimes when I get nervous about speaking, it's not because I feel like I'm going to screw up. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, maybe a part of me is a little bit nervous that I may trip up on a word, but I I know that's not make or break a, a speaking gig, right? What I'm more afraid of is, will what I say 
resonate with people? Will it improve their lives? Will they give a shit about what I have to say? I do everything that I can to ensure that I'm on point before I get on that stage, that I've connected to the people in that audience to find out what it is that they need. And then I research the shit out of it to make sure that what's in there is relevant. Uh, I don't know how many keynotes or people we've brought in, speakers we used to brought, bring in. And I was like, they just, they just phoned it in. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll take another speaking gig, sure. Another $3,000, why not? It's a little inconvenient for me. I have to squeeze it into my schedule, but I'll show up. I love how much you care. It really resonates with me. <laughs> okay, uh, question about presenting virtually. Okay, so it's one thing to present in front of an audience, and I love a live audience. So it's like you get immediate feedback from people that can be very energizing. But when you do it through like Zoom, let's say, and, and a lot of people out of respect, they won't, their mics will be off and their videos will be off. And, and all you see are either a black screen with somebody's name or like a, a picture, like a, a like a profile pic that they have that's up there. And there is no, there is no immediate feedback from people's expressions. How do you, how do you deal with that? Absolutely. So, so the way that we need to think about the online world versus the offline one is if I'm in person, right, you know, in Alberta, I'm giving you guys a presentation in person. If I was the keynote instead of that other guy, maybe, <laughs> you know, and, I was, and I'm giving, I'm sharing ideas. What happens is the advantage I have is I can see how you're reacting to me in real time. Right. So let's say I say a joke. That's example like to use. So two things are going to happen. Number one, the joke's going to be fun. And you're going to be like, man, this Brendan guy, he's so funny. He's like so charismatic. Or two, which is more likely, <laughs> you're going to look at me and go, this guy is not funny. Who hired this clown anyways? <laughs> right? But regardless, what happens is I can see, if I can yeah. see Joanna not laughing, that gives me an indicator, oh, maybe I should change up my tune. Maybe I should yes. talk in a more inspiring fashion. I don't have that luxury in the online world. If I'm sitting in my basement, and with a bunch of black screens, even better, actually, in this very conversation, your video is on, we're one-on-one, -on -one, and I have zero clue how you're reacting to me. Why? Yeah. Because I'm not looking at you, Joanna. I'm looking at the camera lens. So it gives you the impression that I'm looking at you directly, but I'm not. I have no clue if you're actually enjoying this, right? That's the point. So when you have a Zoom call with 20 to 25 people, and all those cameras are off, or even the cameras are on, got little tiny screens. So the punchline is, the joke that I said in, in Alberta, I have to say with the same energy, the same positivity, the same rigor, and assume it's funny. Right. And that is the challenge. So how yeah. do we fix this? The way that we fix this is two ways. One is by having a perfect, um, like a critical Zoom call. So essentially what you do is you get 15 people that you don't particularly like or are super critical on you and they just criticize everything about you. They go, Joanna, what's this, what you got over there? What's this, uh, you know, or me better, you know, the way that I'm dressed, you know, my hair and my audio and all that stuff. And the way that I speak, of course, so that when I go into the actual keynote, everything is flawless because I already got ripped apart in that virtual room. Second thing that you could do that's more important actually is imagine the perfect audience. What do I mean by that? When I started podcasting slash doing online presentations, it's very bizarre because strangers are asking you questions about your life and you're just there. Why are they asking me these questions? It's so weird. But then over time, what happens is the perception that you have of your, the person who's asking you questions or your audience changes as you gather positive feedback. So it goes from, who's this Joanna person? 
to, wow, Joanna's putting a lot of work to really serve her audiences in her local communities in Alberta. I should really show up for her and imagine as if I've known her for many years. And that's how I show up now, as if we've known each other for many long time. That takes a while to get right. But over time, as you get the right feedback, that belief system will eventually become true. Perfect. Thank you so much. I think that will, uh, that's really important to hear. I've never, I've never heard anybody put it in that way. And that's actually a good learning for me. So as you were speaking, I'm like, I'm glad I asked this question because I actually want to know the answer to it. So thanks for sharing it. Of okay. I, we're getting close to the end of our talk. So I want to ask you, uh, there's this thing I just started. My husband gave me the idea. He's like, make, put this in every single interview that you give. So this is the second time I'm asking it and it's called keep it, start it and drop it. So when it comes to master, when it comes to communication, let's keep it broad, not just public speaking, but communication in general, the things that you've learned through your own practice, the things that you've seen other people learn from you coaching them, what is one thing you would keep, start, and drop? You got, you got yourself a smart husband. I love that. Yeah, I know. That's a great I question. Know. <laughs> That's a great question. What would I keep? I would say the number one thing I would keep is my obsessive focus on, on the audience, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are as a speaker. That's why I always say introverts are better speakers because they're much better at focus on their audience because they listen more to them. It took me a long time to get that right, so I wouldn't give it up. I would keep it. Okay. Uh, you said drop and what was the third oh, one? Start it. What start. start? Uh, mm-hmm. So what I'd start doing if I was new is I would start doing the random word exercise. What this does essentially is you pick a random word and you start building presentations out of thin air. So what this does, and I'm happy to demonstrate if you want, but basically what you do is you create these, these work, these presentations through like orange juice. And that gives you a lot of confidence when you practice something you really know a lot about like purpose and, and change management and all that stuff. Number three, what would I drop? I didn't do this for long, but I'd probably drop the ego I had in the first three months when I thought I was the best speaker in the world. That's probably what I would drop. Or what is, it would have made me much better three months earlier. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons I got really good, because remember, a lot of people my age have a lot of ego, right? Especially in the er- their early 20s. I just got lucky that I had a really good group of friends who would run me through walls. They'd be like, you're the worst speaker I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Even they still say that today, actually. But, but, but it, keeps, it keeps the ego in check. It keeps you... It keeps you humble. Because remember, to be the best in anything, you need to be willing to take feedback from everybody. And I'm obsessive about that. That's why I'm always talking to eight-year-old girls, 57-year-old executives. I'm always thinking about how people converse and how they have conversations. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, because a certain amount of ego is important because it gets you to take risks and put yourself out there. But if it gets in the way of asking for feedback, because you know that there's always an opportunity to improve. And if your ego gets in the way of that, then you're never going to improve. So I like I like that. Okay. Now, la- any couple of last words? Because the last question I want to ask you is share with our listeners, what are you working on right now? What is it that you would like them to know and how can they connect with you? But before that, any last words that you would like to share? Absolutely. I always like to give my, my, my favorite piece of advice, which is a mm-hmm. life tip. And the life tip is my favorite quote, which is a follow. Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you made it 31 minutes into this conversation, you probably want to do something different with your life. So my advice, and the only piece that matters now, is if you want to do something great, you need to learn the art of insanity. Don't you find it bizarre that a 22-year-old kid started a YouTube channel, not on vlogging, 
not on pranks, not on comedy skits, but on public speaking and communication tips. Went on to coach CEOs of companies at the age of 23, but also still lives in his mother's basement, is talking to you on a mattress, doesn't own a car, doesn't plan on moving out of his mother's house till he's 30, can karaoke in eight different languages, and dances alone in his basement an hour a day. How do any of those decisions make any sense at all? And that, my friends, is the punchline. When all of the decisions that you make in your life matter to the only person that matters, which is you, you're probably making the right decisions. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. One other thing is, you know, I'm from Montreal originally, my family's there. So the next time I'm back and we can actually socialize again, we're going to go karaoke together. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely open for that. It's my favorite thing. Okay, I'm going to cut this out of the podcast, but I'm going to share a quick story with you. I was in Mexico last, I think last May and with my husband and, uh, We just went to this one big hacienda area in the hotel that we were at, and it was dead. There was like five people. They had a karaoke thing going on, and it was completely outside. I'm like, and I I don't mind karaoke in front of a large audience, but that day I was just, you know, I I was like, you know, five people, I'm in the mood for that. So I signed up for my my uh, my 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 song. What do you call that? Like the, the song that I always like to warm up to. It's like either I have two. It's either Hotel California from the Eagles or holiday for Madonna. So I guess I'm <laughs> aging myself, but so I sign up and then it starts to pour. So everybody has to kind of go into where the shelter is and it's much uh-huh. smaller. And while I was waiting to sing, I downed a couple of gin tonics. I start, I'm trying to act like Madonna singing. I'm calling on the audience to join me. And there's like 20 year olds. I don't even know if they've ever, hopefully they heard the song Holiday from Madonna, but they're all just kind of staring at me and I'm singing. It was like the worst karaoke experience I ever had in my life. But (laughs) That sounds amazing to me. We got to keep that in the show. We got to keep that in the show. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll keep it in the show. (laughs) Okay. Last question. Yeah. How can people connect with you? Like I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes that you'll share with me. Uh, But what are some other ways that they can connect with you? And what is it that you want them to know about what you're working on right now? Absolutely. You know, for those who want to check out my my YouTube videos on public speaking and learn pretty much everything that I have to offer on the subject, that's master talk in one word. If you want to send me a message directly and get in touch, ask me a question, comment on how you found the show went, feel free to message me directly on Instagram. And the handle for that is master your talk. Perfect. This is, we did this interview on a Saturday morning and for me, it was a great way to start the weekend. So I just want to thank Brendan from master talk for joining me and spending 34 minutes of his life with me. I truly appreciate it. And I walked away with some new learning. So I hope you, your other, is this interview number three for you? You got us very good timing actually. Right. Yeah. So I hope the others, we have six more to go then, right? Yeah. Six or seven. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) I hope the other six are as much fun as this one was, at least for me, it was. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Joanna. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much, Brendan, for your time. Have a great rest of the day. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I look forward to tackling the next issue with you.